Hi everybody, this is Lisa DeLay, the host of Spark My Muse, and today is Soul School Lesson 209, Our Curious DNA of Desire. Before I get to the meat of this program, I want to tell you about the Soulless Winter Retreat online. A group of us are doing this in conjunction with The Pilgrimage at thepilgrimage.org with Pastor and Spiritual Director Jen Latay. I'm so excited to be involved with this, and I know you will get a lot out of this. It's one of the best ways I can think of to start off the new year. There are discounts and scholarships available if money is a problem for you right now. Just reach out to Jen and she'll see what funds can be made available for you. Don't let money be the reason to stop you from coming. I'd also like to mention something new that's happening. If you haven't heard already, I've been trying to make a lot of announcements. So if this is a repeat announcement for you, give me a little grace to spread it around to the people who haven't heard yet. I am writing articles through the format of Substack. Substack is a platform that delivers audio and articles through an email and a web-based platform. And to any of you who have ever contributed to my work, I want you to have a premium paid subscription free for life. If I haven't gotten a hold of you yet and you haven't received a notice from me, please reach out because there might be a problem with the email I have for you or something got messed up in the works. Just reach out to me if you have financially supported me. I really want to thank you for that. I want to give you a free Substack subscription to this. So what Substack is, is a way to help me create subscription-based material. There is a free subscription and there is a paid subscription. This gives me a chance to be paid for my writing. And it's a really neat opportunity that allows me to defray some of the costs of writing without the distraction of having to get other part-time jobs to pay the bills. So I'm going to be doing some, some special premium podcasts, and those are for subscribers only. And there will be some articles that are for subscribers only, and there will be plenty of free material as well. Today, what I want to share about our curious DNA of desire is related to the work of Rene Girard. A book I have read this year that I've really enjoyed is by Luke Burgess. It's called Wanting, and the subtitle is The Power of Mimetic Desire in Everyday Life. He goes on in the book to explain mimetic desire, and I recommend this book. The entire topic is something I've been digging into and researching personally because of the possibility of writing on it in the future. In a note to the reader, Luke writes, this book is about why people want what they want. A number of years ago, Seth Godin wrote a business book called The Idea of Iris, and this book was enormously popular. He wrote about how trends spread and transfer through the populace, and he got down to the root of something people had only seen on the outside but not really understood. But what Seth Godin didn't do is he didn't go back a step further to this sort of meta-analysis. And that's essentially what mimetic desire is. Mimetic desire describes what is baked in to every human being and most animals, how we navigate our world. It is part of the unseen and unnoticed wiring of us that we think of typically as instinctual. 
And when I say meta, I'm not speaking about that creepy Facebook name that we have all your data and we're behind everything. Unfortunately, now that word meta is poisoned. (laughs) When I speak of meta, I am speaking of this very overarching way that humans are and behave in the world. I'm going to describe a little bit about desire in this way and try to unravel it. It is a force that grips and permeates human relationships. On page three, Luke writes, the truth is that my desires are derivative, mediated by others, and that I'm part of an ecology of desire that is bigger than I can fully understand. Desire, as Gerard used the word, does not mean the drive for food or sex or shelter or security. Those are things better called needs. After those things are met, we have something called desires. And desires are like gravity in that they do not reside autonomously in any one thing or person. They live in the in-between spaces. So human beings fight not because they are different, which is what we might think in the first place, but because they are the same. And in their attempts to distinguish themselves, they have made themselves into enemy twins, human doubles in reciprocal violence. That's from page seven. That is a footnoted piece there. What that shows us is that we are mimicking each other and we don't necessarily want the things that the other person has, but we desire what we sense that they desire. And we desire what we sense they feel. When they have satisfied their desire, we desire that feeling that they have. This also relates in an exquisitely interesting way to scapegoating. I don't have the time to go into that today, but I hope to go into this more in a future episode. Sibling rivalries are absolutely the perfect example of mimetic desire. So say your sibling has a toy. You could play with any other toy, but that toy seems the most desirable now. And that is true as a microcosm, what happens to every human being all over the world in big and small ways. It isn't so much that you want the toy, you want the pleasure that we sense they're feeling. So in a very real sense, desire has to be mediated through a model. And I think that that escapes us most of the time. We all know that we see ads constantly firehosed to us. Capitalism is continually bombarding us with models for our desire. Some good-looking person will show off some perfume or some car, and they will seem so pleased and so at ease and so pleasured. And the car might seem wonderful or sexy, but it is because we see that model or we suppose that a person who has that thing feels that certain wonderful way is why we tend to desire it. And this really isn't a conscious thing. This goes below our real level of consciousness to an instinct. And it happens in dogs fighting over toys or mates or territory. And it happens in birds that imitate each other's flight patterns and move in all those different beautiful shapes in the sky. They are all 
imitating each other's behavior just enough so that they are moving in almost magical harmony as they fly through the air. There is a way to transcend mimetic desire. And Luke Burgess takes that to task in the book. So what does it mean or what can it mean to be free of mimetic desire? This is from page 134 in the book. Being anti-mimetic is not to be anti-fragile. It is not merely the opposite of mimetic. Being anti-mimetic is having the ability, the freedom, to counteract destructive forces of desire. Something mimetic is an accelerant. Something anti-mimetic is a decelerant. An anti-mimetic action or person is a sign of a contradiction to a culture that likes to float downstream. It's important to also remember in the scheme of mimetic desire that the goalposts always move. And the arbiters of what is desirable will change the goalposts purposefully so that they can never be achieved. These desires can never actually be achieved or satisfied. So things like the Michelin star ratings. This was actually started by the same Michelin tire company, but they also rate restaurants. And restaurants compete and chefs practically kill themselves to get good Michelin star ratings. But it is also a way for them to be sort of imprisoned by that and not be creative and do new things and be independent. Instead, they're tied to a sort of system of pleasing this rating system rather than being free to be innovative. Luke Burgess goes into an analysis of this in a few fascinating stories within his book. A negative mimetic cycle is disrupted when two people, through empathy, stop seeing each other as rivals. That's from page 155. And he also gets into thin desires and thick desires. As we cultivate our thick desires, these are the ones that are generative and help humankind as a whole. So in closing, I just want to encourage you that when you feel left out, when you feel that a friend is actually a rival, when you feel that you have wasted your opportunities and other people have passed you by, all those things actually reflect this internal, instinctual, below consciousness, hardwired, mimetic system at play. It's connected to relationship and it works through a mimetic model so that you place yourself up against a model and judge yourself with them, not by what they have, but by what they desire and what that desire gives them. Sometimes just knowing a little bit about the inner workings of our humanity, our animal nature, if you will, our basic design, can help us to kind of unlock and unfold these deeper realities at play. I hope to share more on mimetic desire and even from this book, Wanting by Luke Burgess from St. Martin's Press. In the meantime, I hope maybe for some homework, you can think about all the ways that you actually desire desire and all the models of desire in your life. They can be good models or they can be negative models, but we all have them. And of course, if we are Christians or people on a spiritual path, we can have spiritual models. 
as one who follows Jesus, my model is Jesus, who was actually the scapegoat. And I'll get into scapegoats more in another episode. I hope you will go to Spark My Muse today and check out how to subscribe to my Substack material, whether you pick a free subscription or support with a paid subscription. I would be deeply appreciative of that. If you support as a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse at $9.99 a month, that's the t-shirt level, you will also be included in a six-month paid premium subscription. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week with a guest episode.